This is Worship God, a podcast of the Gospel Coalition Canada. Worship God is designed to equip worshipers and worship leaders for Christ-centered worship. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Worship God, Gospel Coalition Canada's podcast for worship leaders, worship pastors, worshipers, people who love Jesus and who just want to do that better and get to know him more. Uh, my name is Jody Cross. I am the lead pastor at South Shore Bible Church in Barrie, Ontario, Canada. And my co-host today from the West Coast, Pat Sabell at Midtown Church. She is the uh, worship pastor there. Pat, really great to have you with us. Oh, it's good to be here, Jody. And, uh, you know, Pat, sometimes you and, and Rob and myself just banter about things that are important to us and that we hope are important to other people. And sometimes we have guests. And today uh, we have a very special guest who is joining us from Franklin, Tennessee, just outside of Nashville. And it's a veteran Christian music uh, person and pastor, Rick Kua. Rick, welcome to our podcast. Well, thank you for having me. Great to be with you both. Hmm. Uh, Rick, you and I have known each other for about 15 years. I was thinking back to when we first met, probably up at Kingdom Bound and at Darien Lake, and you serve as a, an executive on the board there. And uh, I've just really appreciated your influence in my life as a mentor as an encourager, and I always leave our conversations and when we get to interact, uh, just more encouraged and, and lifted up uh, for the Lord. So I want to thank you. And uh, Rick, if I could summarize you in, in a sentence, it would be as a man who loves God and who loves God's people. And there's a warmth about you. You're a man of integrity. You're not pretentious. And uh, you, you have a mission. Uh, your mission is to share the love of God through music, and you've been doing that for, for over 40 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rick, if you don't know him, was um, in a secular music band, a mainstream music band called The Outlaws. And then he has been in the Christian music industry for 40 years, uh, releasing 11 solo albums. He's released, I think, six or seven with a group of guys that he loves to hang out with in Nashville called the Blues Council. And they can cook, I'll tell you. And uh, you served for five and a half years as the president of uh, EMI, Christian Music Publishing. And now you're on staff as the pastoral, pastoral care pastor at Grace Chapel in Leapers Fork, which is, again, just in the Nashville area. So you bring a lot to, to our discussion today, and, and uh, we're really, really glad to have you with us. And tell us about uh, your wife and who she is, how long you've been married, and tell us a bit about your family. Yeah, so um, I met Diana, my wife Diana, in the seventh grade. Um, and, you know, she didn't, uh, wasn't really crazy about me then because I was a musician and she knew that musicians were, were bad students. So uh, we didn't t- line up intellectually. But we fell in love over time and uh, got married in 1970. We have two daughters, Nikki and Nina, uh, grown, obviously, and uh, two grandchildren, Luke and Eva. And uh, yeah, Diane has been, she's been by my side through everything. She went to nursing school and uh, was involved in that, that world, but realized that if we were going to do things together, she had to dial into what I was about. And she knows more about music and the music industry, I think, than I do. We've written oh. songs together. We've toured together. We've been to dozens of uh, other countries doing missions work, musical missions work. And she just, uh, 
She's my main, my main one, you know, uh, other than mm-hmm. our Lord Jesus. Uh, she's number two. And she has edited all my work and listened to all my songs. And she'll, while everybody else will say, wow, that's awesome, Diana will say, you know, um, <laughs> you got to think about this. And, you know, every now and then I'm looking for a little, a little affirmation. The other, you know, I just, I don't know if it's because I'm a musician. It's one of my love languages. So the other day I was out. <laughs> cutting the grass in the backyard and it looked to me it was great and I waved for her come on out uh, grass is done what do you think and she comes out and she surveys the yard and I'm, I'm sitting there proud as I could be and she says you know you got to get that blade sharpened you know so that's that's what she will tell me the truth she'll tell oh, me the man. truth and with each passing year she gets a little freer with that truth. So <laughs> oh, she's man. a very special woman. <laughs> Nothing like a sharp blade on a lawnmower. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, 52 years of marriage, there's there's a lot of sharpening that goes on in a relationship. Yes, yes. Uh, so we're going to talk today about integrity in the life of a musician and a worshiper. But just before we go there, I wanted to ask you how you came to, to know the Lord personally as your Savior. Yeah, um, well... Diana and I grew up in the Catholic Church, um, and listen, I've, I'm a very ecumenical guy. I, I don't have a beef with anybody. Uh, there was a lot of uh, uh, reverence that we learned when we were there, and, and I know something was going on in our hearts with God, even in those early years. But Diana wound up getting saved in 1972, And she came home uh, from a trip to see her dad down in uh, Florida, who she hadn't seen in many years, and uh, fired up for Jesus. And I, she got off the airplane, and she, you know, and I'm all excited. We're kind of almost newlyweds, you know. This was a couple of not even two years after we got married, and she was uh, all excited, and I'm. She looked beautiful. She walked off that plane and came right up to me. I'm thinking I'm getting a big hug and a kiss. The first thing she said is, you got to get saved. And I'm thinking, <laughs> uh-oh, <laughs> saved from what? I, didn't, I had no idea. And she was so passionate about the Lord. And I watched her life change over the years. And it took me five years to really come to know that, man, God is, I need Jesus in my life. And I, I was teetering between um, what's got to change in my life to be a Christian now? Is it going to mess me all up? You know, you know those early thoughts when you're, you're kind of on the way there, but not totally. But in 1977, I uh, started going to church with her, and I saw people in that congregation loving one another, uh, all types of people. For me, I was a long-haired musician. I hung out with my tribe. Those were the cool people. But I went to church and I saw God working in and through everybody. And people that I thought they would be the most unlikely friends, just by my visual, what I would see, they said, hey, let's go to lunch and hang out. And, And, you know, one day God got all over me and I said, Lord, I don't have that, and I want it. And I got saved that Sunday and for the next two Sundays after that to the point where the pastor had to finally come up to Diana and say, Diana, you know, you can tell Rick he's good now. 
he can kind of stay in the pew and sit down and just worship or whatever. So that was the beginning. That's when I, it, my life really changed. And, you know, I could go on and on about this, but uh, the scripture in Mark 8, 38, um, it's in three of the gospels, I believe, when Jesus says, for whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, I too will be ashamed of him when I come uh, with the holy angels and the glory of my father and all of that. And man, that pierced me. That was another stepping stone closer to Jesus because I realized, no, I I'm either all in or I'm not in at all. And uh, from yeah. that point forward, I got very comfortable in my um, Christian skin, so to speak. So yeah, that was that's that's the way it happened with me. It was beautiful. I I you know it, as old as I am, I never tire or get uh, it never gets old hearing how Jesus awakens our heart and and brings us to Himself. Just amazing grace. Um, Rick, you've been doing this whole music thing for a long time, um, 40 years to be exact, which is very long. Uh, how did it all start? Uh, I also understand you got a bass guitar that's been around for a long time. Yeah, that's um, right. Pat. And then maybe give us an overview of, of your music ministry, maybe some highlights. Yeah. Well, honestly, I started as a young boy. I bet I was five years old and, you know, they got me a small accordion because all these Italian-American young men had to play the accordion and we had to learn Lady of Spain. That was the big song and all the grandmas had, oh, they'd swoon when we would play it, you know. And so I played that accordion for about five minutes and then <laughs> I moved into um, clarinet but I could never get the reed wet enough to not squeak. So that was a problem with the clarinet. And then I went to trumpet, and that was good for a minute. But uh, when my grandmother would watch me practice, she would get so nervous because she thought I was going to blow a vein in my neck the way I was having to blow on the trumpet. So that was it for the trumpet. And then I went to piano, and uh, Mrs. Cheyenne was my teacher. And, you know, I'd bring my music to her and it'd be all crumpled up. And she finally told my parents, listen, this kid's not going to be, it's, he's, there's nothing about him that's musical. So save your money. And, but then I got a guitar and I heard about the Beatles. And that's when yeah. everything changed for me. I uh, started playing in a band. It was three guitar players and a drummer. And there was a lot of that in those days where there was no bass. But I wound up starting to play bass on the lower strings of the guitar, and it was kind of working for me. And we said, what are we going to call ourselves? I don't know if I was 12 or 13. And so we had to come up with a name, and we called ourselves the Legends. So we were legends at 12 or 13 years old, and we would we would go play at parties a little bit, and the kids would all love it, and it would be fun. And you know, that from there, I got my first bass, which was the one that we mentioned earlier. It was a 1964 Fender Precision that my grandmother bought for me, and um, I've got that. I play that instrument all the time. I don't really fly with it and with it anymore because it's. I don't want to have an accident happen, but I've rec recorded 
all my records, Blues Council, Phil Keggy, Randy Stonehill, Outlaws, all of them with that instrument. And when I'm playing on the worship team at church, that's the one that's in my hand. So wow. um, that's, that's a bit crazy. of the mute. That's a bit of that story. And guys, but I got to come up for air and let you guys chime in because I could just keep going over here. That's well, good. And uh, yeah, that, that guitar, if it could speak, it's it's been a few places. Yeah. Yep. So you're full time right now. You're working on staff as a pastor at the church, mm-hmm. uh, as a pastoral care, and you and your wife are working together. And she's a pastoral counselor, working in counseling ministry. And um, so, how does music and worship fit into your life, being the pastoral care person at uh, your church? Yeah. So, well, weekends well, on the side. Yeah. It's it's um, it's part of it's a big part of who I am, guys. So. I make time for it. Um, you know, I, I'm in rotation on the worship team, and I absolutely love that. <clears throat> but when I first came here, I told our worship leader, you know, I'll play as much as you need, but don't let me take um, take time away from a younger guy that needs to be up there. Don't, you know what I mean? Let's make sure we rotate everybody, the younger guys, the older guys, let everybody get a chance at it because I know what playing m- music and my instrument does for me, and I-, I wanted everybody to have their time to just feel that as well. I still write music. Um, I still record from time to time. Um, I just try and stay busy with it. Uh, I don't do a lot of live gigs. On a busy year, maybe, I don't know, maybe four or five, um, and I'm also doing a lot of a lot of writing, uh, like literary kind of writing. I wrote a book called "What Are You Known For?" Uh, building your legacy one brick at a time, and it was originally designed for musicians, uh, but I repurposed it a little so it would work. They're all godly principles that works for everybody in any vocation, but there's a there's a musical a lot big musical slant to whatever I do. And also I play um, and organize the worship for Celebrate Recovery here at Grace Chapel. I play with my buddies once a month and we'll do uh, three kind of classic worship songs and then we'll do uh, what I would call a, a pop fourth song that would build them up like Tom Petty's uh, Won't Back Down or um, Here Comes the Sun by the Beatles or Ooh Ooh Child or uh, people get ready. All those songs that aren't necessarily worship songs, but they oh, they feel so good and they br- put life into people's hearts. Mm-hmm. So, so Jody, to that question, uh, I j- you know how it is as a musician, Pat. You as well. You, I see that guitar hanging up on your wall, and I know that music is um, it's it's life. It does something for us and for the listener that really mm-hmm. nothing else can. And it's uh, pretty special to stay involved. Well, there's so many things. I mean, I, I love that at your age, you're still so involved like that. But I also love your, your heart and willingness to want to see the young men and the young, young ladies uh, growing. And, and I'm sure you're a, a wonderful mentor as well. Uh, Proverbs 22.1 says, A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, and favor is better than silver or gold um can you talk just a few minutes about integrity 
in the life of a, of a worship leader or a worship pastor or a worshiper, uh, I, think you know, I think you know lots about this. How could you speak to our listeners uh, about this? You know, uh, I think the best way I can speak to that is to just say that when our life lines up to the Word of God, integrity mm-hmm. resides there. And uh, listen, I am no different than, I'm just like a young friend of mine will say, hey, I'm just a guy, you know? I'm just a guy too. But yeah. when, when we're guys that love the Lord, and you know, that uh, when we think of the two greatest commandments, right? Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. And then when we think of the fruit of the, fruit of the Spirit, uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. If I want my life to uh, exhibit that, and if I want to let l- love be the overarching banner over everything I do, then I think integrity comes with it. Um, as far as just things like honesty and um and grace for others, and mercy, and all of that. I mean, man, I resonate so much with that. Uh, um, I am not perfect by no means. I mean, I can get wound up and get angry and whatever like anybody else, but the things that really make me feel good about who I am and feel God's pleasure working in me and through me is when I really do things that line up to, to God's word. So, mm-hmm. yes, uh, our daughter, our youngest daughter, gave me a plaque once that I have in my office, and it was it said integrity on it. And I thought, wow, I don't know how close to that I am, but boy, I, I, I want to be spot on when it comes to that. I want to live mm-hmm. that kind of life. And, uh, Pat, you know, even... Even in that book of mine, it's all about legacy. I mean, we're we're gonna we're gonna make a mark one way or the other, and let it be a mark that we all make that our our wives, our childrens, our families, the friends that we have in our world, and anybody else that will stumble upon something that we've done long after we're in heaven. If if those people can look at us and say that was God's man. Not God's only man, but that was to be one of them. I'm so thrilled with that. Yeah, and the older we get, you know, we've had some years between the three of us. You just realize the importance of legacy. It's not just starting well; it's it's finishing well, and and that's something you know. Maybe that's a, a good uh, future topic for our podcast. But uh, Rick, you've worked with lots of musicians over the years. Uh, and um, you've seen lots of pitfalls as it relates to the stage and popularity and notoriety. Um, how have you fought that in your own life? Has that been a struggle for you? Um, how, how have you overcome some of those pitfalls personally? I, I think, you know, um, you know, we used to uh, uh, use this phrase that we, we would hope we would never get to the point where we, where we would really believe our own press you know, because uh, not that some of that isn't truthful, of course it is, but there's some things that are, there's a lot of accolades that we get as musicians, as worshipers, as worship leaders, 
you guys as well, you're on that stage. Yes, you're focused on God. You don't want people to look at you. You want to just help them to get right up there with Jesus. But still, it feels good when somebody's praising God and they're clapping after a song and whatever. And we have to realize that's a little gift that God gives us, but we can't let that stuff take us off course. We mm. need to know that every good thing that comes our way is because of our God who loves us. And mm. um, I've done my best to stay on that track. And I'll tell you what, there were many years in, um, well, not only in secular music, but even in Christian music, when the audiences were so, you know, dialed in and focused on what we did as as musicians and artists that, man, I, I had to battle some thoughts that really might not have been the best ones, you know, mm. to just realize, wait a minute, this is why I do this. If I'm going to mm. show these people anything, let it be pure and loving and more about them than it is about me. I've had... I've had enough about me, you know? I want, I want people to just feel loved and valued and built up. We are all, I want us all, because of Christ, on that level playing field, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. So how have I uh, worked to maintain that? I just, if things don't line up, if the thoughts that, I, that pop into my mind don't line up with the Word of God, then I take that thought captive. And I love it when I can take it captive immediately instead mm -hmm. of entertaining something that is not good, you know? And our flesh wants to lean that way. Um, you know, some people will use the term a guilty pleasure. I don't want any guilty pleasure in my mm -hmm. life. I want to do what God wants me to do. We'll never be mm -hmm. perfect. I'll make mistakes. You, Jody, Pat, all of us will make mistakes, but I want the Holy Spirit to kind of have us on a real short leash, you know, that we realize, oh, and I think what the, what the Holy Spirit, I believe, says to us is, you're better than that. And I need to hear that because, again, we're, we're only human. Yeah, I, I had a... a, a pastor friend of mine that um, taught me many years ago, he, he used to say, all gifts from God are intended to direct our attention to God and create fresh affection for God. Yeah. And um, I think often we, we this gift of music or the, this ministry that God has given us that's a gift, uh, we're so quickly to, to wrap our fingers around it and feel like it's somehow something that you know we've we've built or we've you know and and then and then when the praise comes and the glory comes it's like look you know kind of look what i've done rather rather than beholding that gift and just saying god unbelievable that you would give me this gift yeah. and 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 let that gift just draw create fresh affection for for the savior who's given us this gift um what what would you say to the the worship leader who's listening right now? You know he's maybe in a church of I don't know three thousand people or the 
the, the guy who's a, a lay person that's just serving his church in a little rural area, rural area, and he's got, you know, he's got 50 people in his church. What would you say to them just from, from all the years of, of experience that you've had just in terms of, you know, if you, if you sat down with them one-on-one and just, and they're saying, you know, hey, this is all the ways God's using me. Isn't it great? Or, you know, they're getting those rushes from from ministry. I, I, I was told a couple of years ago when I had a bit of a crash that, that my counselor was saying, I think you're a bit of a ministry junkie. Uh, and, and, you know, been doing this a long time. And I think there is a sense where we can get good at what we do. And, and we don't even know how to just be present before the Lord and in his presence and just delight in him because we we're just so prone to do ministry and and we can become a bit of a junkie but um give give some words of of experience and wisdom to some of these guys that are uh doing it and uh yes loving it but yeah maybe yeah yeah I, I, a couple of things pat um first of all i think there's a holy order right god first obviously our spouse, second, mm. our kids, family, and that type of thing. And then it boils down to these other things that the Lord allows us to do. And as far as becoming a ministry junkie, listen, um, there's a lot of people I've known over the years that it was more pleasant for them to be at church getting the accolades of helping people out than dealing what they had to deal with uh, with kids and with their spouse at home. Uh, oh. They wanted to be at church. But if you're leaving your responsibility uncared for, you're out of order. It's not, mm. it's, it's not good. And I think that's where we all, we all have to know that, you know, God's got something for us. And for all the worship leaders out there, musicians, the people that listen, I, I, I would say it's, Pay attention to that holy order, but also on on the same token, in the same way, know that what you have is needed. People need your gift. They need your music. They need your worship leading. Listen, I don't play bass like... Uh, I could name names now, but I'm I'm old. Nobody would know who they are. Like these guys that I admired over the years. I don't play like they play, but I know that people need what I have. And I would say the same thing, whether it's the musician that's highly skilled in a big church, just knocking it musically out of the park every week, or that, that lay person who is just... Um, they know their four or five chords and their heart is for Jesus and they're doing it for the right reasons. People need what you have. No matter where it is on that scale of skill level or, or um, you know, how long you've been doing it and how big is your congregation, uh, doesn't matter. You have to know you are a musician, you are a worship leader, these, uh, these gifts are irrevocable. You will always be that. You may not do, worship, do music full time. Some people are 
really want to be a full-time musician. I get that. But it doesn't matter if you're going to go do what you got to do to take care of your family and pay the bills, then then go do it. But you're no less a musician or a gifted worship leader or songwriter if you got to work at the Home Depot or do whatever your that vocation is, you know? So I would just want to encourage people. And here's another thing I would want to say. Um, you know, there was a point in my life when I got I, around what they might call midlife, right? Now, I'm 73. I still think I'm in midlife. But, man, I'd be the oldest guy ever on the planet if I was like 100 and, 146. I mean, gee whiz. But I would, t- I would tell people, listen, when you get to that point, maybe it's in your 40s or 50s when, oh, my gosh, uh, should I keep doing this? Uh, there's younger guys coming up. They need to get there. And, uh, you know, when you start thinking about that stuff, I had a guy tell me when I was in my mid-40s, it was a prophetic word that he gave me, and he said, Rick, you're a player coach. And that changed everything for me because I was feeling a natural um, sense to start teaching and coaching younger people and other people, even more than uh, worrying about my own music career, even though there was a delicate balance there. Oh my gosh, I want to still do this as the player, but I'm feeling compelled to start to build up and lift up and coach younger younger musicians. And when my friend gave that prophetic word, you're a player coach, all of a sudden, wow, I'm 100% player and I'm 100% coach. I am both. Mm. So for Mm. all of you folks out there, just know, Timothy 2.2, go find somebody you can help and mentor and teach and train who you know will be the kind of person that can do the same thing for somebody else, but yet still be confident in who you are in your gifting. You're not over the hill. You're not past peak, you know, all of those terms that they use. No, your gifts are as beautiful today as they were in when you thought it was the highlight of your ministry or mm-hmm. career. You are always needed, always mm-hmm. needed. Mm-hmm. It's good. I love there's a Psalm, I think it's 70, but uh, I could be corrected, but just you know that in our older years, we're still fresh and green, still bearing fruit. That's, that's, and, uh, that's my scripture right there yeah. <laughs> for my wife and I and running with sap. You know, I, I I love that. I love it. Makes you sappy. Makes you sappy. Hey, listen, <laughs> I'm the sappiest, corniest guy in the world now. I don't even care. <laughs> Dad jokes come easy at our age. <laughs> hey, that's right. <laughs> well, um, Rick, uh, I would love, we're going to just wrap up in a minute, but um, definition of success for someone who's serving as a worship leader in a church. Hmm. I don't know if you thought about, uh, how would you succinctly put that? So, you know, someone says, this is my bull's, bullseye, this is my, my mark. What would, what would you say is success for someone who's serving mm-hmm. in this way? To keep your eyes on the Lord, serve him, love him, love others, and know that you've got a family at home that needs you. And if we get so wrapped up in other things, we may get to heaven and God's going to say, 
What did you do with that wife I gave you? What did you do with that husband I gave you? What did you do with those kids I gave you or those grandkids? Make sure you're taking care of business on the home front because as we said earlier, that holy order, God, your spouse, your kids, your grandkids. Um, listen, sometimes the hardest work is at home, but it's the best work you will ever do. And there's some that it's a piece of cake every day, but there's others that want to run off to the church and run off to ministry because you're going to help somebody and they're going to say, oh, you are awesome, man. Thank you. That's so kind. Give me a hug, whatever. And all of a sudden you get filled up. But if you're doing that as opposed to, that's okay. That's good. I hope you get plenty of that in your life. But you can't leave a trail of blood at home. You can't go home after a hard day of ministry and bring crumbs to your family. Do not do it, guys. It might not be the most glamorous thing or, you know, the best words of affirmation. You know, you got to sharpen that blade, you know, but you'll know, you'll feel that you're doing the right thing and it is the right thing. It's God's word. It's God's mm -hmm. word. Isn't it crazy? So, some of the, the, the struggles that we have that we actually think that ministry is what we do at church and it's not what we do at home. <laughs> and yet ministry is just as much about loving our wives yes. and caring, caring for our children and, and all, ultimately loving our wives as Christ loved the church and, and caring for our children and, and discipling them is, is really the qualification that allows us to do ministry um, in the church. Uh, and so, yeah, we lose sight of that way too often. And yeah, just to wrap that up, I'm reminded too that nobody, nobody at home really cares what you've done. They don't care how many awards or songs or, you know, who's playing you on the radio. They're, you're just dad. You're just, you know, you're just you. And you got to cut the grass and take out the garbage. And there's a wonderful grounding that home and, and local church community, you're, you're just a servant. You know, you're a brother in Christ, your sister in Christ. And, and uh, those places keep us real. And God has they, a wonderful way of keeping us humble as we're just being who we should be in the home. Amen. Amen. And you know, I, I heard something at a celebration of life service once. <clears throat> it, was a, it was a very prominent uh, music executive, pioneer in music, and he had passed away. And his family uh, was eulogizing him. And one of the things they said is that this person has more awards on the on the wall uh, and on the mantle and on the fireplace, but his the trophies that he is values most are his family, mm -hmm. and this was the guy's heart. Trophies are great, but it's where you put the people that mean the most to you, the people mm -hmm. that you make them feel significant and accepted and valued and loved. That's, those are the real, uh, the real trophies of life right there, if, if you can put it that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's, that's great. It comes around too, we talked a few minutes ago about pitfalls and you can live for the wrong things and live for the wrong shiny things and realizing the gifts of God are, are right in our own families. Mm -hmm. Rick, thanks for uh, being with us. Uh, we so appreciate you. You are a man who is running your race, uh, 
your eyes are on the Lord, your eyes are on the prize, and uh, you're you're serious about your legacy. And um, uh, this is Rick's book to everybody. Uh, what are you known for? And it's a collection of um, just encouragement from Rick that he's lived through wisdom uh, through the years of his life and ministry. Uh, Rick, if people wanted to contact you, hear your music, get a hold of the book, where, where can they find it? Yeah, well, you know, anybody can write me at Rick, R-I-C-K, at Rick Kua, R-I-C-K-C-U-A dot com. Uh, they could go to my uh, website, rickkua.com. Uh, go to the store. The book's available there. The book is also on Amazon. And uh, so are a lot of the records, uh, again, back at my own website. And there's also a company called Girder Music, G-I-R-D-E-R. And they just re-released and remastered the first four Christian records I've ever done. And they've got wow. some of the other records as well. So you could always go to Girder Music and... Uh, yeah, there's a variety of places to find it. And yeah, that'd be great. So, and I, I, I'm grateful for all of that. You know, I, the most important thing to me with any of my records, books, whatever, is that the content would be a blessing to the people that listen and the people that read it. It's not about the money. I don't make a living on that stuff. Uh, the workman's worthy of his hire. For those that do, I think it's awesome, and I think it's great to support those people. But I'm fortunate that uh, the only reason I want it out there is because I know God gave me that information, either musically or, writ or written down in a book. And I, I just, I don't want to put a bushel on it because I think yeah. many of those things are as relevant today as they were be yesterday and as they will be tomorrow. So mm -hmm. I appreciate every one of you. And uh, Jody and Pat, thank you so much again for, um, I feel like I'm, I'm up there in Canada with you. It's <laughs> a happy feeling for me. Huh. Yeah. Well, hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll get our paths across someday too. Are you coming up to Kingdom Bound in the next little while? Yeah, yeah I'll be there at the end July. of July. Yep. Yeah. July almost, 25. Almost Almost Canada. So Almost Canada. Come on That's down. Great. Yeah, we're going to be there and a lot of great bands. And we haven't done it in two years because of COVID. So it's going to be a, um, it's going to be a, a huge year, uh, mm -hmm. not just attendance-wise, but in every way because people are so ready to regather again. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, God bless you, my friend. Thank you. And um, we're sure appreciating the time you spent with us, a man of legacy who's challenged us to keep our eyes on Christ and to keep our eyes on the things that matter the most and to have a heart for God and a heart for other people. Rick, God bless you. Thank you so much. And uh, Pat, thank you so much for being just a great guy and a great co-host. And thanks everybody for tuning in. Uh, we'd love to hear from you if you have ideas for future podcasts. If this uh, program has touched you, let us know. God bless you. We'll see you again. Thanks. Worship God is a production of the Gospel Coalition Canada. For more Christ-exalting resources, go to ca.thegospelcoalition.org.